Today's Thursday, March 19th. You're listening to Locked on Los Angeles Kings, part of the Locked on Podcast Network, and we're still part of the Everybody Stay Home Club. No hockey, no going out, no nothing. Just me, my cats, and a podcast, which honestly maybe is the way that I always wanted life to be. On the Kings front, we'll just jump right into that. After the news of one Ottawa Senators player testing positive for COVID-19, the Kings and the Ducks both released statements as they were the last teams that the Senators played against, uh, and both teams basically reiterated that no one is showing symptoms and that they're asking players to keep in close touch with team medical staff uh, in case anything changes and that, you know, the team is following the best practices and all that great stuff. So per the Kings, no one on the team is feeling, you know, like they have the plague and the situation will continue to be monitored. But that was kind of a big concern knowing that uh, the Senators were the last team that the Kings played and also that the Brooklyn Nets were one of the last NBA teams to go through Staples Center as well. And they had a bunch of guys test positive for this as well. But so far, so good with the Kings and we'll continue to hope for the best there. In terms of other leagues, what they're doing, the WHL and the OHL have both officially finally canceled the remainder of their regular seasons. All of the Canadian Junior Leagues are hopeful that they'll be able to resume playoffs in some way, even if that means an abbreviated playoff schedule or each league just picking their top two teams or something to send to the Memorial Cup, uh, but all of that is still left up in the air, but the regular season games are all not going to happen. All of the Kings prospects in those leagues would make the playoffs, so if hockey does continue in Canadian Juniors, uh, those guys will all be able to play at least a little bit uh, unless they do something totally wacky and just take one team from each league to the Memorial Cup or something. But right now, if there was some sort of playoff event, uh, it looks like the Kings prospects would still be playing. The USHL here in the US finally announced that they are canceling the rest of their season. uh, So no playoffs, no Calder Cup at the end of the playoffs, no nothing. They're just done. Over in Russia, they are still suspending the playoffs uh, with the hopes of going back to them at some point in time. The KHL is still pretty intent on returning and playing to get the championship. They're very intent on the results being legitimate. Uh, There's a whole statement on the KHL's website from uh, KHL President Alexei Morozov, uh, who it's it's a very KHL statement. He does say that if the teams that have already agreed to forfeit, uh, if the situation changes and they want to come back, that he says, we won't stand in any one way, but I don't see any reason to annul the entire championship because of two teams dropping out. Uh, the players on the other six teams went through a full regular season and completed the first round of the playoffs. They're absolutely not responsible for this situation. Why should we prevent them from continuing to compete for the Gagarin Cup? If the championship resumes, the results will be legitimate. There are some teams, including Russian teams now, who are starting to make public statements urging the KHL to just end it, uh, to not come back with any sort of new playoff format or anything, to just end it and 
There's also concern of players who are imports, players who are not Russian, uh, being able to leave Russia at some point. There are concerns with increasing travel restrictions and uh, with so many airlines only operating like one flight a week out of places that some of these guys may not be able to get back home wherever home is for them. So there's increasing pressure from Russian teams even now on the KHL, but it took them this long to announce that they were just going to take a pause. So I can't imagine that them deciding to cancel the whole season will come very quickly at all. So things looking increasingly KHL-y in Russia, but so far uh, the plan is still to resume play uh, in April. So we'll see about that. Today, for the rest of the show, I'm going to continue my conversation with Laura Saba of Lockdown Canadians. Uh, we just had so much to talk about that I didn't want to squeeze it all into one show. So today we're going to talk prospects, we're going to talk futures of the teams, and more. So now, without further ado, here's the rest of my conversation with Laura Saba of Locked On Canadians. A thing that you were talking about as well, like, was about all the younger players that are being brought up and sort of like, we're hoping that they make the next step. And we kind of have a similar situation in Montreal. And I think the biggest issue with Montreal is that we don't have a game-breaking player. Like, we don't have somebody on the talent level of Andre Kopitar, who is a veteran at this point, but, like, he is phenomenal, right? Like, there's no question. And we have good players, we've got exciting players, but we don't have anybody that's, like, that good, other than than Carey Price, who is also aging and has had an inconsistent year. Yeah, and I think the, the Kings, the trouble for them is that because they traded away so many things and you know, for good reason, because it brought them to Stanley Cups. But that sort of like bridge generation of players who should be the young guys now who are, you know, your next Anja Kopitar, they don't have them. They're gone. They, they didn't exist because all of those first round draft picks and all of those prospects got traded away. And many of those prospects kind of fortunately haven't really panned out for the teams that acquired them. So, you know, it's not like they did trade away Anja Kopitar 2.0, but <laughs> th- that's been part of their struggle is that they haven't had the kind of interim class of guys um, or it was guys like Tanner Pearson and Tyler Toffoli who were sort of expected to kind of bridge that gap who now neither of them are on the team anymore because they got traded partially because they also couldn't score and because they just needed to shake things up and make room for now some of these younger players coming in. And I think that they have guys now who are coming up in the system who I don't think are ready yet to go to the NHL, but guys in juniors like Arthur Kaliev, who just is a goal scoring machine, you know, could be someone who would be a real difference maker for the Kings, but he's still a couple years away at the very least. Most of the guys kind of in the AHL are guys who will be good, like second, third liners probably, but you know, not going to be taking over team star duties. You know, Anja Kopitar is, you know, in his 30s now, he's still the leading scorer on the team. He's still easily the best player out there on the ice for them. Uh, but one kind of real bright spot for the Kings this year has been uh, the play of Gabe Velarde, who basically hadn't played pro hockey or any kind of hockey in about two years because of dealing with a back problem. And he finally got it rehabbed and to the point where he could play and got sent to the AHL, you know, sometimes he looked kind of meh, but you're like, okay, this kid hasn't played in two years, whatever. And then sometimes he was easily the best player on the reign. And so he got caught up 
to the Kings and, of course, scored his first NHL goal on his first shot on his first shift, like 10 seconds into his first shift. And he has been, you know, really good. And I think as someone who can kind of be in that same sort of Kopitar kind of mold as a, you know, defensively responsible two-way center and all that stuff. So there are some bright spots on the horizon, especially if the Kings continue to be kind of crummy and draft well, that there will be more of them to come uh, in this coming draft. I think that's still kind of a place of trouble for them of, you know, they don't have necessarily the next Drew Doughty yet. They don't have uh, the next Anshu Kopitar. They're for once set in goal. Uh, they have a wealth of goalie prospects for the first time in ever. But, you know, looking for that game breaker, I think is still, it, it's still a little bit of a gamble because the guys who we're counting on, you know, you never know what's going to happen with a prospect when they turn pro, if they're going to be good at all. <laughs> Sometimes they, they can't make it work. So that'll be interesting to watch over the next uh, handful of years. Speaking of good prospects that turn pro, we had some news about Cole Caulfield earlier so before we started recording, I found out that Sarah went to see the small goals boy in person. So we thought in order to talk about some happy, happy things, especially at this time when we want to be your kind of your escape from the realities of the world. We wanted to talk a little bit about uh, some good Wisconsin boys who are going to end up on our respective teams. So I, I'm going to start by asking you. Is Cole Caulfield the best small goals boy ever? Yes, of course he is. <laughs> but I mean, like, we're huge fans. So he decided to stay in the NCAA uh, next year. So I don't know if that, if that has anything to do with just um, maybe he had a conversation with the Habs and he knew that he was going to have to play in the AHL and maybe he'd rather be in university. I'm not entirely sure what happened there, but he's made that decision. I honestly, like, I thought either way would be okay for him like if he stayed there because he was the leading scorer on apparently a terrible team not that I know that much about Wisconsin but luckily you know a lot more about them than I do yeah so Wisconsin was bad this year they finished at the very bottom of the Big Ten their conference uh, and they just were completely inconsistent the whole season uh, and I think that part of the issue was that they are a very young team. Uh, they have a lot of freshmen uh, and sophomores on their team. So there were a lot of discipline issues. I think they took a lot of penalties they didn't need to take. Killing penalties with a, with a young, inexperienced team is also tough. They were just overmatched when they were playing teams like Notre Dame, teams who are a lot older, who are bringing back more upperclassmen each year. And so they, they just had a real struggle of a season. But Cole Caulfield, I think, was a really bright spot for Wisconsin. Um, you know, he led the team. I think he led the conference in either goals or scoring overall uh, and was just in the games that I saw of them, uh, someone who I kind of felt like was a difference maker every time he was on the ice. Um, you know, like any young player, I feel like he, you know, still is looking for that next level in terms of consistency, especially the defensive responsibility side of it. But, you know, he, I was up there for two games that they played against Arizona State and uh, Wisconsin happened to win both of those games. So it was very fun overall because they won. No one wants to see a team lose. That's kind of a bummer he scored in those games and just you know he, he one of the goals he scored was from like behind the goal line essentially like you don't let someone score from there and he 
he did it uh, because he's just you get the puck on his stick and he's going to score for you. So I, I'm going to be excited to see what happens with him when he does turn pro. I don't think it's a bad thing that he's returning. I had honestly kind of hoped that the Kings prospect Alex Tricot would have gone back to the NCAA for his second year. But the Kings kind of made the opposite decision, probably that the Canadians did of it's better to have him in their backyard uh, rather than kind of floundering on a, a mediocre team. Uh, and Turcotte, everyone says that he had kind of a disappointing year, which he did, but he still played at almost a point per game pace. He just missed a lot of time because of injuries and illnesses. And the whole team itself was just so inconsistent that they couldn't get any momentum going. But yeah, Caulfield's really exciting. I think that it'll be good for him to go back and kind of develop into a more well-rounded player, develop more into a leader on that team, which is going to need guys to step up like that. Uh, losing, they lost a pretty good crop of seniors. Um, Keandre Miller, who's a Rangers prospect, he just signed uh, with the Rangers to end his uh, college career as well. So I think that there's a big role that Caulfield can step into. Uh, that's not a height joke or anything. <laughs> uh, but I, I think that he <laughs> I, I think that he can kind of take a big step on that team. And, you know, if, if he already led in scoring in his first year, I can only imagine what he can do with another year under his belt. So, yeah, he's going to be really exciting to watch um, for the Kings. They had Alex Tricot, like I said, who uh, made the decision to go pro. And yeah, my feeling is just that the, that the Kings were like, we'd rather have you developing with us and with our team. And since the Kings and the Ontario Reign share the same training facility, like they have, they're going to have so much more control over him and his development uh, than they would, you know, having him half a country away in Wisconsin. They all, they also probably were like, we don't want that lady from Chicago coming up trying to talk to him again. Um, <laughs> so let's get him out of there. You guys have a very good, very good small goals boy. Uh, and he just seems like the happiest kid on earth too. watching him play like, you know, he, he does not play like he is as short as he is and just seems to love every minute of it. So, uh, yeah, you got you guys have a, a nice prospect on your hands once he decides to to turn pro and head up to you. I, I feel like it might be also just um, the difference in where the respective prospect pools are, because the Canadians kind of have a now that Joel Bouchard's come in. They have a better development system in the AHL, but previously they did not. So there were a whole bunch of draft picks that didn't really pan out. But now, like, they have one of the deepest prospect pools. And so even in Laval, he would have been probably fighting for a role. Like, there's a whole crop of uh, AHLers that, or prospects, I should say, in the AHL that are expected to make the jump in the next year or two. And so I feel like maybe they want, uh, like with LA, because they're all kind of like like knocking on the door, like maybe they want him to develop as well with the people who are going to be the core of the team in, in coming years. Whereas Cole Caulfield, I feel like he can just like, they can throw him in at whatever point only when he's ready. For me, the weird thing was uh, how, how much people talked about how disappointing his World Juniors run was. And it seemed to me to be fairly obvious to anybody who was paying attention that he wasn't being used properly. And like he's got a very specific kind of skill set, which is putting the puck in the net. And as you mentioned, like he does need to work on his defense and that kind of stuff as well. He needs to grow a little bit more into the player that we know he's going to be. 
But I feel like with someone like him, he's going to develop and then it's just going to take the right coach to put him into the right situation, whether he turns pro next year or not, or whether like they sign, let's say the Canadians are poised to make the playoffs or do make the playoffs. They sign him right out of school, you know, like they'll just like throw him on where he'll be able to score goals. Like, I feel like that's like the collective sort of growth together uh, matters a lot less with the Canadians because like the prospect pool is so deep and it's like it, it. it's like we've got a few years of prospects like waiting in the wings, right? Like it's been it's been quite a few years of good drafting. A lot of the players have made the NHL. Some of them have been sent back to the AHL. But I'm expecting that in the last like five years, this team is going to look completely different. And even like even with Carey Price, like if Seattle picks him up in the expansion draft, like I'm expecting that in in as as little as three years, the Canadians are going to look like a completely different team than they do now. I'm imagining like the one like what like Shea Weber's like the last guy left on the team, just like that that the gift from community of the guy walking in with the pizza boxes and everything's on fire in the room. Like I I feel like that would just be like Shea Weber someday, just like walking in and being like, or or like I th- the gift from like I think it's like Fresh Prince or whatever of him just walking in the room and the room's completely empty, uh, like when they're moving out or whatever. I just I just imagine like Shea Weber being the only like holdout from this kind of current crop of Canadians just walking in someday being like, who are all of you kids? <laughs> Be like, where's Brendan Gallagher? <laughs> that that might actually I think right now Brendan Gallagher and Carey Price are the longest tenured halves on this team. Like everybody else is more oh, wow. than that. Yeah. Oh wow. Um, <laughs> and I absolutely like if Carey Price gets picked up, which this is what people are saying, but I think it's also because they just want his contract off the books. Uh, I <laughs> I do think that like he is the face of the franchise, and until somebody else steps up to be the face of the franchise, like Carey Price is gonna remain it, you know. Uh, but if that happens, like people, people, like, if you think about it, like the, the Caden Primo is expected to be the next guy, right? Like the, the next anointed. So he's not even on the NHL team right now. People like that, like there's, there's Nick Suzuki is probably right now the only young player that I expect to, to like still be around. Uh, like there's going to be so so many changes. Oh my God. He's such a joy to watch. I, I got to talk to him when he was still part of Vegas's organization uh, because I cover the Chicago Wolves, which is still for now their AHL team. So he played a handful of games with them and he was just the nicest, politest, like most like shy, like sweet kid. I definitely had the feeling of like, have you ever talked to a lady reporter before? Um, (laughs) But just like very nice and humble and uh, kind of a a real like breath of fresh air after covering, you know, a team the whole season long and getting this kid coming in and getting his feet wet in his very first pro games uh, after his junior season ended. Uh, And he, he was real special to watch. And, you know, it's weird covering the wolves because I, I don't care at all what Vegas does, but you kind of start to get attached to some of these uh, minor league players because I see them all the time and talk to them all the time. And then, you know, then they trade them away and I'm like, Vegas, no, like that was my son. Like you, now he's gone. (laughs) And now he's (laughs) our son. I, I was so glad to see. Yeah. I was so glad to see him like actually make it and people like recognize how great he was. I was like, I talked to him back when. (laughs) (laughs) And that's the thing. Like when he first made the team, because he wasn't like, you know, like, 
lighting the lamp all the time. People were just like, oh, this isn't panning out. But if you looked at what he was doing, like right away from the beginning, he did not play like a rookie. He played like he has so much hockey intelligence. It's so beautiful to just watch what he can do. He rarely makes mistakes. And it's, I just, I love watching him so much. And this, like that trade like turned out to be a massive steal. Yeah. And he's like, he's so young. He's only going to get better the older that he gets and the more comfortable he gets playing in this league. I like absolutely love it. And that that's the thing. So like, if you think <laughs> about Nick Suzuki in two, two years and, and Cole Caulfield playing on the line with him, you know? Yeah. Yeah, I yeah. mean that's going to be I I am I'm, I'm going to want to watch Canadians games because they're going to be so fun. Like yeah. <laughs> I I don't I don't know if in 2 years the Kings are going to be fun yet. I'm not sure. <laughs> you know what? Here's hoping because I like I I find that like it's such a weird time now because the Kings like they they were so good for so long after being so bad for so long. And then now it's kind of like a cycle. They're going to be bad for a few years and then they're just yeah, going to go right just, back up. Yeah. It's and then crash cycle. again, probably. <laughs> yeah. And and that's kind of how it works in today's NHL. Like, I feel like it's very rare that you stay like consistently threatening. I can't think of other than, I guess, like Pittsburgh. I don't know. Yeah. And I feel like they, I feel like they have some sort of like wizardry. Like there's no reason that like, Bob Fitzsimmons that no one's heard of. Like, there's always some kid that no one's heard of who suddenly has 60 points because they stuck him next to Sidney Crosby. And then Sidney Crosby gets hurt and the kids still put, like, I don't know how they do it. It makes no sense. Like, But, yeah, I feel like they're kind of one of the only teams that's been consistently at least good through the years. Just they had to have struck some sort of, like, awful bargain somewhere along the line. Yeah, oh yeah, they definitely sold their souls somewhere. And I want to say, like, the Caps have also been consistently good, but because of all the playoff disappointments, we don't, like, talk about them as much. Like, because they were always, like, for the last, I want to say since 2008, maybe, they were always, like, an elite team. I would consider them an elite team. And then they would go to the playoffs and just, like, totally crap the bed. And so I feel like it's it's a shame that they're not talked about sort of in the same way as 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 Pittsburgh. I feel like I don't know. I I would say that their success feels more organic than the Pittsburgh one because Pittsburgh is definitely <laughs> they've got some secrets somewhere. They've got some secret deal with yes. I don't know the devil. Absolutely. <laughs> I feel like we have talked so much fun stuff about our two teams, and it's really sad that our episode is coming to an end. But I hope that, Sarah, you'll be back with us doing, you know what we should do, actually? I'm sure people will love this. Maybe you might not, but I'm going to go back <laughs> and do some research um, about the 1993 Stanley Uh-oh. Cup finals. And then we could talk about oh. them. <laughs> I did not yes, witness that yes, in person. Definitely. So I know, I know you're a later fan to the King. So, like, I also am going to have to go back and, like, you know, learn about it and, and yes. try and find the games and watch them. Yes. So maybe we'll, we'll do that. We'll do some research. Back back. Yeah, back back at that point in time in my in my life, I grew up in Pittsburgh. So I, if you ask me about the Penguins from that period of time, I can tell you. But uh, <laughs> I will we'll do some research. We'll do we'll do some like uh, history digging for this one. Yes, absolutely. So I hope you guys will tune in for that, and maybe the league will come back at some point in the next few months. We don't know. But in the meantime, Sarah, 
where can people find you on the interwebs? Sure. So they can find me at Right Said Sarah. That's W-R-I-T-E Said Sarah with an H. And then you can find the show at Locked on LA Kings on Twitter and, of course, anywhere podcasts are found. And on Mondays... Oh, yeah, that's right. I do that other thing, too. Uh, on on Mondays, I host the national show edition of Locked on NHL, uh, which uh, is kind of the, the, the concept is three big stories from across the league. But as we have no league right now, um, I am probably going to be spending some of this time looking at uh, awards favorites. So talking to people like Justin Morissette from Locked on Canucks about Quinn Hughes and guys who might win the Calder or the Vezina or whatever. Whatever. So I think that is going to be my plan uh, coming up over the next couple of weeks. I also co-host Wednesdays on Locked on NHL with Justin Morissette. We talk about the Western Conference. I don't know what we're going to be talking about now that there is no Western Conference, but uh, <laughs> tune in Wednesdays and find out. <laughs> When it comes to our show, we are at LO underscore Canadians on Twitter. You can follow me at The Active Stick. You can also email us at LockedOnCanadians at gmail.com. Thank you so much for listening. Thanks to Laura for joining me for a nice chat about both of our teams. I'm excited for us to plan stuff for the future to talk some more about our mediocre teams. Uh, we already went through the how do you find us? How do you subscribe to us? and all that great stuff. So now, before you go, just make sure to tell your smart device to play the latest episode of Locked on NHL. Give our national show a listen as we find things to entertain all of us uh, during these trying times. So tell your smart device to play the latest episode of Locked on NHL. And until next time, this has been Locked on Los Angeles Kings, part of the Locked on Podcast Network, your team every day.